Today's scripture reading is from John 11:21 to 27. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. I was a cross-country runner in middle school. Shocking. I know. You can laugh. I've always been a big guy, uh, but all my friends were doing it, and worse things have been done in the name of peer pressure. Um, and uh, I, was, I was not good. I was never good. But I didn't walk, and I became a leader, and I eventually got the Mental Attitude Award, which I was really excited about at the time, but I look back and think, coaches probably felt bad for me, and they were like, well, we haven't killed him. Yeah. But in the middle of my eighth grade season, uh, I, I, hurt, I hurt my leg. Um, and my mom's, a my mom's a nurse, so she took me into her people, and they ran me through this, like, machine that was a bone scan thing, and they were kind of just focusing on my leg, and everything was fine. Um, well, they couldn't figure out what was wrong. I still, to this day, don't know what was wrong, because the next thing I remember, they're doing a full body scan, and someone asked me the question. Uh, they come through the little intercom. Uh, did you bump your head? Like right now? Like what, what are you? What are you talking about? And they said, "Did you bump your head?" Uh, because they basically they were like, "We're gonna run some more tests." And I'm like, "What in the world?" And so I'm laying perfectly still, but I'm like doing one of the eye things, looking over at the screen. And I'm like, "What is that giant mass on the back of my head?" Like it looked like there was like a black spot in the back of my head, and I was freaking out. Freak out mode initiated. And um, I am then rushed into this other room because I got to take some more X-rays. I where are my mom? Where's my mom? I don't know. Where's my dad? Uh, they're on the way. Uh, do I have cancer? You know, don't ask anything. Because uh, basically, I'm left in this room, 13-year-old boy. And I'm asking a question that I've asked many times beforehand and many, many times after. I said, God, I don't know what's going on, but I think this is going to be pretty bad. Will you please do something about that? Will you please do something about that? And I believe he did. I'm here to this day, and I have a giant hole in the back of my head and a lightning bolt-shaped scar. I'm like Harry Potter. Um, I don't know if you can say that word in church, but I said it. And, um, and, I, uh, and I'm here today because he did. But there are still so many of those. God, would you, are you going to do something about that? Why don't you do something about that? I, I, when I turn on the TV, why don't you do something about that? When I talk to my friends who are hurting, when I, work, when I walk with a student, why don't you do something about that? And no matter who you are, you've asked your version of the same question. And the question is this, why doesn't God do something about that? Now the interesting thing is, you don't have to think very hard to come up with a that right now. Isn't that true? Maybe you're sitting next to that. <laughs> Maybe that is back at home. Maybe you work with that. Maybe you work for that. Maybe your professor is that. 
maybe your grades are that. Um, maybe, and maybe it's a little more serious, a, a, a personal illness or injury to yourself or to another is, could be that. Um, you, you turn on TV too, and, or maybe politics is that right now for you, right? Why don't you do something about that, right? Um, and you need to know, and I need to know, that we can maintain faith. That we can continue to believe, we can continue to press on, even though there are some that's that we think God should do something about. Now here's what's so amazing. Jesus is so concerned about this question. He decided not to teach on the subject, but Jesus actually created a that that some people would say, why doesn't God do something about that? And then he didn't do something about that so that we would know how to respond when God doesn't do something about that. You get that? Simple, right? In other words, Jesus created an illustration. He created a problem so he could enter into that problem to explain to us that we can continue to believe even when we look around and wonder, why doesn't God do something about that? And the story is found in John 11. Now, if you grew up in church, um, then as soon as this, as soon as the uh, verse comes up on the board, uh, the beginning of the, or the screen on the beginning of the story, John 1, Will, thanks, all right, <laughs> John 1, then you're going to know the end of the story, right? A man named Lazarus was sick, right? You know the end of the story, but I'm going to ask you to look at it with fresh eyes because when this story came to the uh, first century Christians, they didn't know the ending. And there's a lot of emotion and drama, and I believe you're in this story. So will you look at it with a pair of fresh eyes this morning with me? So we start, there was a man named Lazarus, and he was sick. And he was from Bethany, and he's got a sister named Mary and another sister named Martha. And so they live just a few miles from Jerusalem. And then John gives a little parenthetical explanation. And uh, next one, thank you. Uh, this Mary, whose brother Lazarus is now sick, was the same one who, who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. Now, a few weeks ago, Bob talked about that, that story. Remember that? But it hasn't come up yet in the Gospel of John. So this is actually, th this story was so crazy, it was so mind-blowing, that people who are reading this already know, oh, the Mary with the perfume and the feet. Yeah, that Mary, right? So this is context for them. Um, next verse. So the sisters sent word to Jesus. Jesus is about a day and a half walk away. And so they sent word to Jesus, and here's what they said. They said, the Lord, Lord, the one you love is sick. Notice that the scissors never use Lazarus' name. All they have to say is, the one you love. And now, wouldn't you love that to be, someone, you, someone comes up to Jesus and they're like, hey, the one you love. And he's like, oh yeah, I know that one, right? I, that's kind of cool. Um, and so this is, this is, Lazarus means a lot to Jesus. The first time Lazarus has shown up in the Bible uh, up to this point, but it is actually uh, kind of implied that Jesus knows this guy pretty well. Um, and again, they send this message to Jesus knowing this. Jesus has healed many times. They've watched him heal strangers. They've watched him just sit there on the street in a hot day and heal, and you're healed, and you're healed, right? And so, They've seen this happen. All right, so Jesus, our brother's sick. You love him. 
They don't even, they don't even tell them what to do. They're, it's just kind of implied, right? Lazarus is sick. You kind of do your thing, right? Um, when Jesus heard this, he says, 11.4, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory. Sickness? For God's glory? Jesus says, yeah. Well, that's a new category of sickness for me. This sickness is for God's glory. God, why is Lazarus sick? That's for my glory. Wait, wait, but sickness is a bad thing. God says, no, this sickness, it's for my glory. And then in the next one, he says, uh, he gives our purpose statement. So that God's son may be glorified through it. Jesus is going, hey, this is a new that. This is a new way of thinking. I'm about to give you a light in the darkness. I'm about to give you hope where you just don't think there's any hope. And now John is writing the story, and he realizes that the story is about to take a crazy, crazy, crazy turn. So before he tells us what happens next, John gives a little line of commentary just to just make sure that you, the reader, and all the other people who are going to read this don't quit here. Okay, so 11.5. Jesus loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. You get that? John's like, you got that? You got to hold on to that because things are going to get kind of crazy here in a minute. And you're not going to think he loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, but, you're gonna, but you need to know he loved them. You got that? Okay, let's go. 11.6. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, this is his response. He stayed where he was. Not the expected move, Jesus. He, all right, I'll stay, right? That was a little bit not what everyone was expecting. And so he says later on, he, so he waits two days, and then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. And the disciples say in verse 6, um, but Rabbi, or verse 8, but Rabbi, a short while ago, the Jews tried to stone us, and yet you're going back? You may not remember this. We remember it really well because when they throw stones at you, they also try to throw stones at us. And we're not into that no matter how you feel about it. And so they're all wanting to stay, right? And Jesus answers like Jesus always answers. It's a teachable moment. And he goes, he says, are there not 12 hours of daylight? What? What are you talking about? We're talking about getting stoned in Judea and you're 12? Yes, there are. Yes, there are 12 hours of daylight, I do believe, right now, right? And then he goes on to say, Now, those who walk in the daytime will not stumble, for they will see this world's light. It is when people walk at night that they stumble, for they have no light. Now, this is important. Jesus, when he says that there are 12 hours of daylight, he's talking about opportunity. The ha that half a day when the sun's up, there's opportunity to do things. When that sun goes down, you lose your opportunity. And Jesus is saying to them, this is, and this is so powerful, he's saying, guys, you can stay here if you want, but I'm not going to be here very long, meaning on this earth. Eventually I'm leaving, and while I'm here, I intend to do what I've been sent to do. And guys, if you follow me to Bethany, if you follow me to Judea, I'm going to give you a lamp that will carry you the rest, through the rest of your lives, even to the darkness of this life. But I'm about to introduce you to something that you won't learn any other way. So while you have the opportunity, get off your rear ends and follow me to Judea. I know you're afraid. I know you're concerned about what's going to happen to you. But if you stay here, 
You're going to miss out on the opportunity of a lifetime. Let's go to Judea. So, as soon, uh, and then he like starts to stand up and he turns to them and he says, um, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. And the disciples say to him, Lord, if he sleeps, he's going to get better. So you don't need to wake him up. We can stay here. Like, sleeping's good for sick people, I hear. And you've probably given God the right, you've probably given God the prescription. God, if you just do this, right? God, if you just let him sleep, if you go wake him up, that's just not going to be good. We don't need to go there. We can stay here. He sleeps. We don't die. Everything's good, right? And Jesus has been speaking of Lazarus' death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So when he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Oh. And then he makes possibly the most insensitive comment ever. He says, and for your sake, I am glad I was not there. You're what? You mean to tell me that you knew he was going to die and you didn't go on purpose? Yeah. And you're glad we weren't there to save the one that you love? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I know you're into big illustrations, Jesus. But what could be so important for us to learn? What could be so important that you would let the one you love die? So that you may believe. So it is so valuable to you that we believe in you. That you would allow someone to die in order to bring us up to full grown up faith in you. That important. That's a new category. That's a new thing for me. That just wrecks our theology. Doesn't it? Jesus created a that so we could understand what God is doing when God doesn't do things that we think God ought to do. When God is silent, Jesus is saying, hey, watch this. Watch where I'm at. And then, I love this part. Then Thomas, my boy Thomas Thomas, also known as Didymus, which means twin, also known as Doubting Thomas, he says, and he's like the Eeyore of the group. I just love him. He's so honest. I just want a Thomas with me everywhere I go. He goes, well, let us also go that we may die with him. Hilarious. That's hilarious. Like, that's good stuff. Read your Bible. Read your Bible, youth. This is hilarious. And so, and then they they go. I just love it. He's just, okay, let's go. Um... So on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus has already been dead for four days. And here's where we've got to pause and understand the drama of this moment. Because see, back in Bethany, Lazarus has died. And he probably died well soon after Jesus heard the message. But Lazarus is dying and Mary and Martha, they're kneeling beside him, and they're, they're comforting him. They're wiping the sweat off his brow, and they don't know what's wrong with him. And they just keep saying, hey, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. It's okay. It's okay. Jesus is coming. Just hold on. He's coming. Like, I sent a messenger, and of course he's going to come. I've seen him do this a thousand times. He's healed so many people. I, he's going to come. And then Lazarus dies. Well, Jesus is still coming. Jesus is still coming. He's coming. And then all of a sudden, they go through the funeral. And no, Jesus, for days go by he dies they have to clean him and then they bury him and jesus is nowhere to be found 
Four days is also important. Because in the first century, they believed that the spirit of a person hovered over the dead body for three days. When the face began to change, because of what happens when bodies lay exposed to light and exposed to air, as the face changed, they believed the three days the spirit would leave and there would be no hope. The spirit would look at the body and realize it can't re-inhabit that body. So for Jesus, four days later, Jesus left there to be no hope. There is nothing left that they've got. Even in their superstitious way of thinking, there was no hope for Lazarus. He'd already been in the tomb four days. And can you imagine how embarrassing it is for the disciples to roll in with Jesus? They're four days late. And they're like, yep, yep. And we're probably going to get stoned. This is the worst, right? (laughs) And uh, so when Martha heard Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. Well, why did Mary stay at home? Now, it doesn't say, but I'm going to guess. She was mad. She was hurt. Her brother, she just buried her brother. And a guy that she has given everything to, including her monetary possessions, just turned. Didn't come. He stayed back. I've seen him heal so many people and he doesn't come here. Yeah, I'm mad. But Martha runs out. She meets him. She falls at his feet and she says what you've probably said to God before. If you would have been here, if you would have just heard my prayers, maybe you say, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. You could do something about this and you didn't do anything. This is your fault. I know that even now, God will do whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. So Martha thinks that Jesus is giving a theological explanation. Like, don't worry, you'll see him again. And nah, 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 you will resurrected heaven theology lesson, right? And she is just not, okay, yeah, I know, I know. But Jesus looks this woman in the eye, and it's so dramatic. This, this heartbroken, angry, confused lady, this friend of his. And he says to her what I think he says to us. I am the resurrection and the life. Martha, you think that resurrection is some far-off event. It is. But you th- and you think it's about the future. It is. But Martha, I, I am the resurrection and the life. I am. Anyone who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And then he asks her this question. And I think he asks us this question. I think at different times it's easier to answer this question. At different times this question probably means different things to us. But he looks her in the eyes. And he says, do you believe this? Do you believe this? She says, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Messiah the Son of God who is to come into the world. In that moment, this desperate and broken woman 
renews her focus. She doesn't know what's going on, but she says, yeah, I, I know who you are and I believe who you are. This is craziness, but I believe who you are. So she runs back and grabs Mary and she says, you got to come see the master before he's in town. And Mary runs out there and she basically has the, an identical conversation with Jesus. Why didn't you get here? You could have stopped this. And John tells us that when he saw her emotion, when he saw her weeping, and, and all the Jews around her were weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. And he asked this question that he probably knew the answer to. Where have you laid him? She says, come and see. They replied. John records something for us that helps us understand that when you're going through the midst of difficulty in your life, even when God could have, would have, and should have, in your opinion, and when he chooses to be silent, it's not because he is distant. God has the ability to enter into your pain, your deepest pain, even when, you choo- even when he chooses to do nothing about it. And Jesus paused, knowing exactly what was going to happen. He knew what he was going to do in a few minutes. He knew how great this was going to get. But even in that moment, he entered into her pain, and he enters into your pain. Despite what the pain is, he is there with you, and he wept. And so Jesus wept. The the shortest, most powerful thing, when God entered into this woman's pain. And he wept with her. And I don't think it was just a, oh yeah, here's a tear because I'm sorry I showed up. It was a deep Uh, present weeping. Jesus wept. It's It's as if he said, I'm not too big to understand. I'm not too distant. I'm not too almighty to understand that when you suffer and when you hurt and when you don't understand and when you feel abandoned by God, that God leans into your world and he says, I know. I know. I know. The Jews... Uh, were watching him in front of this, and they, were, they said, some of them said, see, see how he loved him. See how he loved him. But then there were other Jews who were around. Next slide. Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind, as we just sang this morning, have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a the cave with a stone laid across the entrance. And uh, he said, take away the stone. Now they weren't expecting this. They were already confused, but Lazarus was dead. He was completely dead. He wasn't, you, you guys have seen Princess Bride? He wasn't mostly dead. All right? He was completely dead, right? Because this is four days, right? Not even a superstitious understanding of death is going to get us through this. He is dead. And so Martha, I think kind of twisting the knife a little bit, uh, she's like, by, the time, by this time there's a bad odor, and he's been in there for four days. You know, kind of just reminding Jesus, you, four days, right? Four days. And then Jesus tell you, told, uh, told her, did I not tell you that if you believe, that is if you trust me and you put your weight on me, you will see the glory of God? This whole thing is about your glory? 
This whole thing is about whether or not we believe. This whole thing is about whether or not we can trust you when we think that that thing that needs to be changed isn't, it doesn't get changed. This is what that's all about. He says, I told you, if you keep your eyes open, if you continue to trust me, if you continue to believe, if you continue to put one step in front of the other, if you continue to live your life as if I am who I say I am, you will catch a glimpse of my glory, even in your most difficult times. So they took the stone away. And Jesus looked up and he begins to pray. And I I love this prayer. Let me tell you what he says before I read the prayer. He basically says, he has this prayer that goes something like this. God, you and I know what's going on, but I, want, I don't want to give them the wrong idea that they're just going to say, oh, Jesus, Jesus did this. I, I, I'm here with you, and I am here to reflect you, and this is about you and me, and um, so I just, I'm going to talk to you right now, and he says, um, so here we go. Have they all seen me praying? Okay, good. All right, ready? Let's get on with it. And then he prays like this. He says, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. <laughs> I thank you you've heard me. And I knew that you always hear me, but I said this to the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. Right? So Jesus is pointing back to God. You're about ready to see the glory. And then he says, Lazarus, come out. The dead man comes out. Feet wrapped, strips of linen, and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take the grave clothes off and let him go. Why do you think, they had to, why do you think Jesus had to tell them to take the grave clothes off? Because he, he's coming out of the tomb, right? That's freaky, right? He's like, uh, and they're like, um, this is weird, this is weird. He's like, go oh, do it, go on. And it's this really cool moment. And um, there were so many, uh, so therefore many of the Jews who came to visit Mary saw what Jesus did and they put their faith in him. I bet they did. I bet they did. I bet, the, I bet all of I would have a hard time not believing and putting my faith in him at that moment, I do think. But maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm, I, I wasn't there. This guy had been in the tomb for four days. There is nothing, nothing, nothing God can do. So here's the question. Why doesn't God do something about that? Why doesn't God do something about that? And the answer is, sometimes we just don't know. But here's what we do know. Because a day in Bethany, with Jesus and a bunch of people he loved, we know that he can, that sometimes he waits, but that we can trust him in the meantime. Well, why doesn't he, why doesn't he do something about like this? Why doesn't he do something like this? I don't know. But I know that he can. I know that sometimes he waits. And I know that we can trust him in the meantime. In John eleven forty, 40, he said, If you believe, you will see the glory of God. And if you believe, if you continue to trust, if you continue to maintain hope, if you continue to maintain focus in the midst of the worst of the worst, in the midst of that which you have no explanation for, that God is able and God is willing to leverage that for his glory and for the glory of, your, of his son and for your good. If you continue to trust him. And that's not emotionally satisfying, right? It doesn't, doesn't make it all better. I don't know what you're going through, but I know that doesn't make it all better. But this is the thing that God has given us to hang on to in the midst of those dark times. It was the candle 
the lantern he handed the disciples through this story. Because he knew there would be a time where they would watch him get arrested. They would watch him be tried. They would watch him be beaten. And they would watch him be put up on a cross. And there would be no hope. But they could remember. You know what? How would God allow that? Why doesn't God do something about that? We don't know. But you know what we do know? We know that he could do something about that. We know that sometimes he waits. But we know we can believe in him in the meantime. And that would be their message long after Jesus left this planet. And it has been the hope and it has been the message of the church ever since. And so when you feel like God is silent, look for his glory. Because if you believe, if you continue to trust, you will eventually see the glory. The glory of our great God. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you that you are, you are good. Lord. That you are a good father. And even though we have our I could, I would, and you should have moments, Lord, that you are gentle with us in those moments. That you're with us in that hurting. But that we can also trust you, Lord, that you are well outside of those moments yet so present. God, I pray that you will teach us how to live life this way. Teach us how to live with that hope. And teach us to be watchful for your glory. That we would be a church, we would be people who point to your glory in the midst of the hardest of times. That we can point to you. Lift our eyes above say that he can sometimes he waits we can trust him we can trust him it's in your holy and precious name we pray amen would you please stand as we continue to worship